Well, I got up at 4 o'clock this morning in Michigan and got here to be with you tonight, so I want you to know we ain't going to mess around. If I'm going to get up that early and travel here, we're going to get up in your grill and we're going to talk about Jesus. Is that all good? Well, let me say this. I was just sitting over there watching, and I'm thinking to myself, if this many men would really go all in for Jesus, if this many men would really go all in for Jesus, I want to tell y'all, y'all can change Baton Rouge for Jesus. I, I really believe, I really believe if you're willing to give your life, I ain't talking about all in like these critters sitting up here in these lounge chairs. I'm talking about all in. How do y'all get them chairs? You pay for them? Get here early? I'm serious. How'd you get them? Oh, family feud. Okay, so look like a dork, get a chair. That's good. Okay, so I'm just saying if all y'all men are all in, and tonight I've come just to ask you, are you all in? Do you really believe God robbed the grave after three days? Do you really believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior? Are you really willing to die for him? Then you need to understand that takes commitment. Now tonight, this message is very simple. In fact, you're, you're go, when I finish, you're going to be like, really? That, that's, it's, it's so simple. But it's a lot more difficult to take out past the exit signs. Uh, I had the privilege of doing Promise Keepers here a couple years ago, and then I stayed over on Sunday morning and was able to hear Pastor Mike preach. I did that on purpose. I said to him, I want to stay over. I want to hear you preach, man, because I liked him. We got along good. He gave me, slid me some money. No, that's that. But he, he, was just, he was really nice to me. And I stayed and heard him preach, and I thought to myself, man, I, I like that church, and I like what they're doing. And, of course, today I was able to meet Pastor Ryan and, and, and Derek Foster, who's, who's, since he drove me back at Promise Keepers, we've stayed connected. So I feel connected to you guys. And I've come here tonight to honestly share my heart with you because you're looking at a dude. If, if y'all got life all perfect, you don't need me. You're looking at a man that's messed up. You're looking at a man that makes mistakes. Uh, you're looking at a man that has to, had to say, I'm sorry to my wife today. <laughs> not last week, today. Um, I do not have perfect children. I have a wayward daughter. I love Jesus. I got four kids. Two of my sons are preachers. In fact, a little picture of my kids coming up on the screen because I want you to look at it. You look at this picture and you go, oh, the Seaborns, I can't really relate to their life. Their family looks perfect. Go ahead and throw that picture up, guys. Oh, here it is. And you look at our family and you go, oh, that was Christmas time. Everything's all good. But that daughter on the far left, what her hair looks like, it. she's a little wayward on me. She's struggling in life. 22 this week. Love her like crazy. Been texting her today. I love her like crazy. But she's not all in for Jesus. And as a dad, that weighs heavy on my heart. Some of you here got a wayward kid and you don't know what to do. I'll talk about that a little bit. Other people in my family, Josh and Amy, my next kid there, he's planting a church in Camden, New Jersey, one of the roughest cities in America. He's literally, he literally lives in the hood. Him and his wife had a baby, first baby. And you can see she's pregnant in the picture there at Christmas. They had their first baby Sunday, Sunday. Then you got my little grandson, Jackson, and my wife. Yeah, there's the baby. That's Josh and Amy. Then go back. There's my other uh, family members. I want to tell who the rest of them are. That's me and my wife, Jane, with our little grandson, Jackson, my little granddaughter, Naya, there with my daughter, her husband. Then my son on the far right. That's Alan and his wife, Annalise. He's at Mayo Clinic today. Y'all know what Mayo Clinic is. He's had a, it's something he's battling for five and a half years. He just can't get over it, and he's there today. Our family has got issues. 
I love Jesus all in. I believe in the healing power of Jesus, but I still have troubles because I'm in this old life. We're not in heaven yet. And I've come to talk to you tonight about how to hang in there and love Jesus and change your home and change Baton Rouge until he takes us home. Until he takes us home. And the way I'm going to do that is I brought with me tonight, for the purposes of this illustration, I brought with me a little basket. In this basket, I have eggs. I just have eggs. These are real eggs. I can prove that. Watch these guys over here. It's real, man. I'm serious. Good catch, man. It really is real. Is that real? Yeah, it's real. I thought it would break. I was trying to have fun. I got faces painted on these. I want you to imagine that this basket is full of all the eggs representing your family, okay? So, so take your basket, put your kids in it. If you're married, put your wife in it. If you're here and you're a single father, you got it. You say, well, Dan, I'm a single man. Well, you're part of a basket. You didn't just happen on the earth. You, you're in a basket. And I want tonight, I want you to get this basket in your hand, in your mind. This is your ba- full of your eggs. Some of you got lots of grandkids. I know I asked Derek how many grandkids. He's got eight. So you take, put his kids in there. Grand- Some of y'all got a basket you can't even hardly carry anymore so full. Christmas costs you a lot of money. I know, I know what you're dealing with. And here's what I want you to do tonight. I want you to understand this is what I see wherever I go. I was in New York this past week. I'm here tonight. I'm going to be in Chicago next weekend. And I'm just telling you, wherever I go, this is what I see. Now, now just hang with me because it's going to be hard for some of you to watch this little illustration. I see a lot of men who uh, they, they look in their basket and they, they would say they love their basket. I care about my back. I try to take care of my, I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my family. But I'm just, I, I'm just, I, I, I'm so, I'm so busy. I care about you guys. And I love you guys. And I, I'm all in. I'll see you Christmas. I'll spend some time with you on your birthday. But I got, man, my business is really rocking right now. And I got I to gotta give everything to it. Uh, I'll, I'll give you guys lots of cash, but I just don't have time. And the kids over in this basket are looking up going, well, Dad, all we want is just you. We don't really want the, the money and all. We want you. I see a lot of dads who, uh, they look in the basket and they look at this egg they married about 15 years ago. She's a little more hard-boiled than she used to be. <laughs> Got some cracks. And I see a lot of men, they, they look at this egg, and, and uh, what's happened in life is they found another egg. Yeah, yeah she's a, you know, her, her shape hadn't quite flipped yet. And he, we can laugh about it if we want to, but guys, that's what's really happening. Who in this room tonight is struggling with this very issue? You, you haven't told anybody yet, but there's a prettier one. And you've been toying with tossing this one out. And some of you, I, I said this won't be an easy illustration. Some of you have gone so far as to say, I, I, I don't really want that egg anymore. I, I got another. And the, and the kid's like, but, but Dad, come on, man. That's mom. I don't, don't toss. And, and I, I, want, I want to take a second and talk about that because... Some of you, some of you guys in this room have been tossed out by your wife. And you feel like 
you feel like you're nothing but, you ready? Trash. There's a guy in this room tonight who, you feel like you're trash. Um, pastors loved on you, people have loved on you, but you're sitting here tonight, and you don't, you don't even tell anyone how you really feel about yourself. And I, I want to just explain something to you. Do you remember how we just sang, God robbed the grave? I want to explain something to you. When he did that, when Jesus came out of that grave and came alive, there ain't no such thing as trash in God's eyes. You might feel like you are. I can't even explain what I'm about to tell you, but God can reach into what feels. See, Satan wants to beat the snot out of you and make you think you are worthless. One of Satan's greatest tools is discouragement. And there's a guy in this room tonight, you are so discouraged. Things ain't going good, work ain't going good, everybody else. And Satan is telling you, oh, look, all those guys worshiping God. How are you feeling about yourself, man? And you need to look at Satan and say, you are a stinking liar. Because I was made in the image of God. My Savior is Jesus Christ. I am not trash. You aren't trash, guys. You aren't trash. Don't let this world keep telling you you're trash. If you watch the news and you're a Christian, you ain't nothing but trash. I'm going to tell you something about the news. It's fake news. The truth is, God Almighty made you. And I don't want you to feel like you are worthless. That's a lie from Satan. God said, oh, 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 oh. no, no, no. You're in my, God has a basket too. And he's got you in it when you come to know, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God says, you are in my basket and I got you. And I want you to know tonight, you can believe that you were made in his image. Now I'm going to turn the corner really hard. If you have tossed a lady out, I want you to stop calling her names like X. Old spouse, I want you to understand, even the lady who you may no longer have a relationship with, I want to tell you how you need to treat her as God would treat her. Dan, you don't know her. I don't know you. But I know you need to rise up and set the example. The Bible says the men are supposed to be like Christ and the woman like the church. Guess who went first? Christ. Christ didn't say, all right, healing place, tell you what y'all do. Y'all all serve me really good, and then I'll love you. Nope. He said, I'll love you first, healing place. Then you respond with love to him. Men in the room, the reason I always go after the men is because you're supposed to be like Jesus. Jesus set the example, even the example unto death. You need to be willing to die to yourself. But then I'm right. Jesus was right. Jesus was the Savior of the world, and he still died. It ain't about being right or wrong. It's about being holy. And God is looking for men who will be holy, even when it don't feel good. The, the cross didn't, Jesus wasn't hanging on the cross going, can I get another nail? He was not enjoying that. He even said, Father, is there another way? Can we do this another way? No, nope, you got to die. Guess what he says to us tonight? Men, but Jesus, I, I want another way that's a little easier. Nope. Die to self, to what you want, and surrender it all to God. Because the greatest thing any man can do while he's on this earth is love God, listen, and to keep your hand on this basket. Because the Bible says there's a day of accountability coming. 
Dan Seaborn was handed a basket. And my, y'all saw my basket. Someday the Bible says, I will hand my basket back to God. I, I will be responsible to stand before the Lord. And he will say, Dan, now you're going to be accountable for the way you lived your life. Okay. And I'll hand it up. <laughs> Let's all think about right now the way we're living in our homes. Would we be, would we be like this? Give me one second. I'm so sorry about all that stuff, man. That one day I shook you up. That was my fault. Were you ready? Life has a way of snookering you. So what I've come to tell you tonight is, you ready? How to hang on to this basket and how to love it and care for it. I call this little message, keeping all your eggs in one basket. And I want to talk to you about how to do it and how to honor God with it. And it's interesting because the verse of Scripture where God guides us in that is Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. Now watch this. The principles in that verse, listen to this. When God founded the universe and put it all in orbit, it's really amazing. It was these same things, these same principles. Still today, the earth works. Still today, the universe is not in chaos. Because God, when he put it together, said, I'm going to use some simple principles. And then he says to us as men, I want you to take those same principles that I started and founded the universe with. And I want you to understand that's how you hold your family. That's how you hold the basket I will give you. And here's what it says in Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. By wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, a home is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Very simple. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to take four little principles. There's going to be a picture be painted up here on the screen. It's going to be a picture of a little what I want your house to look like. The first thing it says about the home is wisdom is what builds it. We're going to start making a scene here. The first part, putting that home there, what you need to build that home is wisdom. Let me explain something to you. We live in a world that's focused on getting more smartness. The Bible talks to us about having more wisdom. There's a big difference between being smart and being wise. Um, not all of us in the room can be smart. I can't. I, when I was in high school, I made straight C's. I was a straight C student. So when you say, hey, Dan, are you really smart? No. I never got the big accolades. My brother was. He went to Harvard. People would, I remember a teacher even said to me, you're not smart like your brother. Like, well, you ain't pretty like my mama. I mean, you know, it's like, you know. I'm not in on smartness, but in James 1.5, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives abundantly without finding fault. It didn't say, if you're not smart, go to God. Nope. It says, if you're not wise. Let me tell you what we're missing in our world today. Wisdom. Wisdom doesn't sit baskets down. Wisdom says, oh my goodness. This will probably be the most important thing I do today is care for this home, care for this family, make sure these little eggs in here are all good. And wisdom comes from God. I was driving uh, to church in New York on Sunday morning. I had a rental car. And I, I had not, like, looked at the radio and all that stuff because I had my wife with me. But I got up early to go to the church. I had two services, so I was going to get her between services. And I was just driving to church. Flipped on the radio, and the American Top 40's on. 
I don't listen to American Top 40, but I was driving to church. I had like 10 minutes. I was like, I haven't done this. I remember when I was a kid, I used to listen to Casey Kasem. So I thought, I'm going to listen to the Top 40, just see what I hear. So just so happened it was on song 23, countdown. And now, introducing song number 23 this week in America. And I was like, oh, cool. We're going to talk first with the artist who wrote this song. Her name is Sabrina Carpenter. I've never heard the name. Sabrina Carpenter. They said, we actually have Sabrina with us live right now. We're going to chat with her a little bit before she sings her 23 song. So they said, Sabrina, what made you write this song? Well, this was her words. Well, I'm, you know, there is no such thing as truth in the world anymore, and there is no right or wrong. And so I wrote this song called Thumbs, kind of representing our world. Really, really all life is is twiddling your thumbs. Well, Sabrina, what makes you come to this conclusion? Well, you know, I grew up, and I'm, I'm 17 now, and I really know a lot. And that's not a put-down to any of you are 17, but you don't. And she said, I, I really understand a lot about life now, growing up and stuff, and I just wanted to write something that would influence kids and help them understand the only real difference you can make in this world is what you do, because there is no such thing as truth. And they said, oh, what a great introduction, Sabrina. Now let's play your song. It's a catchy song. It's about thumbs, about twiddling, twiddling, thumb, twiddling your thumb. I listened to the song. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, this is the 23rd most popular song in America, and it's about nothingness. It's telling the teenagers who are 17 and listening to this song, life is pointless. And I found myself saying, oh, dear God, help us. This is the smartness of this world. This world is blind to what truth is. Because, guys, guys, there is a purpose to your life. There is a thing that matters, and it's called the kingdom of God. I'm on this world for a purpose. I woke up this morning to come down here to preach to you because I believe there is a heaven and a hell, and I want to do all I can to join Pastor Mike, to join Pastor Ryan, to help you men grow in your relationship with Jesus, and I want to make sure you don't spend the rest of your life twiddling your thumbs. I want you to put your foot behind the other, and I want you to go make a difference for Jesus Christ. And it's funny to me because as I listened to this girl talk, my mind ran to my grandfather who graduated before he took on the farm in South Carolina, fifth grade. Fifth grade. That dude taught me how to work, taught me how to play. My father, my father, Love him now. He's 87. We've restored our relationship. But when I was a little boy, he set the basket down and he pushed it away. And my grandpa, my graduating from fifth grade grandpa, went over and picked me up. And he said, hey, boy, mm-mm. No, no, there's going to be a purpose for you. And I love you, boy. And I still remember him taking me, uh, I told him, when I was a little boy, I said to him, Grandpa, I think I'm supposed to be a preacher. And I remember he went out in a huge cornfield, and he cut, like before the aliens used to come down and cut them circles. My grandpa went in there, and he cut out a little circle, and he put a pulpit in it. And I remember the day he came to the house and got me. He said, come here with me, boy. 
took me out into that little cornfield. And he said, did you say you're going to be a preacher? I said, well, Grandpa, I think so. And he said, well, I got your pulpit right here. You see all them corn stalks? Them's all sinners. I want you to lead them to Jesus. Preached my first sermon in a cornfield. You know why that happened? Because he picked up this basket. Some of y'all in here, um, you got some grandkids. Don't you let them fall out. I'm preaching tonight, and my grandpa, I believe, according to Hebrews, I believe he's looking down. Ain't no cornfield, grandpa. These are real people. And I want you to, t- I, w- I want to tell you, I could cry thinking of him. He, he was just that influential in my life. And I remember my last visit to him. I got, I got to at least tell you, because I'm trying to compare Sabrina Carpenter, 17, clueless, to a grandpa who graduated from fifth grade. He didn't ever make the top 20 in songs. Y'all didn't even know his name until I told you. Jay. My last visit to him, I had all my kids with me. And we walked into his nursing home room, and Grandpa was laying back. He was laying back on the bed. And he was like this. He was laying back on the bed, didn't have his glasses on. And I walked in. And he, oh, my Grandpa was fun. He was just crazy fun, dude. And I was laying on the bed. I mean, he's laying on the bed, and I walked in the room. Grandpa, Grandpa, it's Danny. I come to see. He's set up on the bed. Who, who, who is it? Who is it? You know, he's kind of out of it. And he grabbed his glasses, put who is here? I said, Grandpa, it's Danny. Oh, Danny. He always did his hands like, oh, Danny, Danny. Come here, Danny. I came over, hugged him. And I had my kids. He hugged my whole family. And then, and then he said, all of a sudden, he goes, whose kids are these? I said, Grandpa, I just told you they're my kids. He goes, no, they're not. And I'm thinking he's losing his mind, you know. My grandpa, he told me, he said, them ain't your kids. Them's my kids. He said, you think them kids would be here if it wasn't for me? <laughs> like, no, sir. And then he offered them candy. You know that peppermint candy you get at Christmas time? He had a box of it there. And he offered and What he couldn't see was he'd already sucked the end off half of them. <laughs> it was nasty. Pre-sucked peppermint sticks. It's nasty. And he offered them to the kids, and they didn't want it. And he's like, what's wrong with your children? They don't like candy. I'm like, well, I wouldn't suck that stuff either. And then all of a sudden, we had only been there a couple of minutes, and he literally did this. Danny, that's what he really could. Danny, get the kids out. We live in South Carolina. He was an old country farmer. Danny, get the kids out. And I said, Grandpa, we just got here. Get them out. Yes, sir, Grandpa. I told Jane, I said, leave. I don't know what's going on. He grabbed me by the shirt like this. He's laying in the bed. He grabs my shirt. Nobody grab your shirt like that. If y'all went in Chick-fil-A today, got it in the sermon. If y'all went into Chick-fil-A today, and they, <laughs> Pastor Mike said he always mentioned Chick-fil-A, I got it in. If y'all went in there today and you walked up to the counter and the person said, hey, what do you want to order? You'd be like, whoa, hey, back off a little, man. Don't grab my shirt. Grandpa, I got my shirt. So I'm like, okay, Grandpa's got my shirt, but I'm not going to push him back. Grandpa, what is it? He pulled me really close, nasty breath and all. He said to me, Danny, I need to ask you a question. I said, Grandpa, what, what is, what's wrong? He said, I need to know something. I said, what, Grandpa? All he said, have you told them kids about Jesus Christ? I said, Grandpa, I did. Did they ask them into their life? I said, Grandpa, they did. No lie. 
And, and, and he started crying, and he pulled, he grabbed me, pulled me on the bed. I'm on top of him in the bed. He is yelling, woo, woo. And I'm thinking, nurse, don't walk in. Yeah, I mean, it, he yeah, looked like I'm killing him. He started crying. I started crying. And it dawned on me, he's about to leave, and he's checking one more time to make sure them eggs are ready. How long has it been since y'all checked on y'all's eggs? Because I, I just want, I want to tell every man in this room, because today, today, there were a lot of things that distracted you into another arena. I want to tell you that on that final day when you stand before God Almighty, he will not say, what car are you driving? Where your house, man? You get that flood water out? You know what he's going to say? Hand back what I gave to you. It won't be cars and trucks. It'll be people. And this is, this is the day Grandpa was just checking to make. Because, see, when that day comes to my Grandpa, if I can be in the crowd, the great crowd of witnesses, I want to be somewhere in the back going, go on, Grandpa, hold it up. Because I was in that basket. I am proud to say. Wouldn't it be cool if y'all hear your kids behind you going, hold it up, Dad. I am proud to be in your basket. And let me tell y'all, man, what that's called if you get that. And tonight you take it home. And let me tell you what that's called. Wisdom. And that comes from God. And then it says, second part of the verse, making the picture complete. Wisdom builds a house. The second thing, understanding establishes it. Let me show you. Let me take the actual Hebrew words and show you what they mean. Understanding establishes the home. I'm going to give you a real, these are real eggs. I want to show you what established means. It means to do this right here. Take your family and say to them, I got you and I'm not going to let you go. You men need to understand tonight, one of the greatest things you'll ever give your family is, you ready? Security. I want to tell you, I, I drove through a lot of Baton Rouge today. Pastor Ryan drove me around, drove me to your campus here in the tougher area. I want to tell you what a lot of those kids feel. You ready? These are real eggs. A lot of kids feel like, Mom and Dad, stop. Don't drop me. Mom and Dad, stop fighting. Don't, don't flip the bat. Mom and Dad, stop. And that doesn't just happen at the tougher areas of town either. It happens with some of the families who attend Healing Place. Some of you men in this room, you're rough on your basket. And you need to go from, look, 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 just remember this, you need to go from this to this. Well, damn, my kids are already out of the house. Um, let me tell you something. I'm 87. My dad and I, as I told you, have healed our relationship. My dad right now, when I call him in the morning, dad, he, one of the last things, he, he knew I was here today. He knows I he has some dementia, but he knows where I'm at today. And I can tell you what he'll tell you before I hang up. Son, 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 here he is. I'm, I'm 56, he's 87. I want to tell you one of the things I love. Never got it as a kid. He pushed me away as a kid, but he's picked me back up in his older age, and that ought to give somebody here hope. You're here, and you, it's too late for me. Oh, no, no, no. Never too late to say to your family, hey, I'm sorry, man. You know, Jesus has touched me, and he's given me a reason to live more holy and godly, and I am so sorry for the way I handled some of that stuff because my dad will say that to me now, son, I'm sorry. I'm like, dad, it's okay. And then he'll say, I love you. 
Do you know what 56-year-old kids love to hear from their dad? I love you. How long has it been since y'all said it? Well, <coughs> Dan, we don't, <coughs> we don't, from our family, we don't say that kind of stuff. You can learn to. Take something and stick it right in your tail if you have to, like a knife or something. Go, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. I love you. Whatever you got to do, you can do it. You need Pastor Mike, he'll come to your house and stick a little something in there while you say it. He'll help you say it. He's a man's man. I'm just saying to you, two things you need to learn to say. I'm sorry, and I love you. Did y'all hear me? I'm sorry, and I love you. Because when you do that, what you say to your family is, I ain't all that, and I can learn to grow with you, and I will. And this is what God's looking for. God's looking for some men in Baton Rouge who are willing to serve him first and then carry this basket. Wisdom builds it. Understanding establishes it. And then the third thing, knowledge fills it. Knowledge is what we gain in everyday life. Knowledge happened to y'all today. You probably didn't think about it, but did any of y'all have anybody try to speak into your life today? That's called knowledge. If, if you're married and your wife said to you this morning, honey, can I point out something that I really want you to work on? If your first thought was, if your first thought was, well, you guys are stuck to work on yourself, you weren't receiving knowledge. <laughs> knowledge comes in all. It doesn't say in the passage of Scripture, knowledge from the parents. It says knowledge. Sometimes your five-year-old can give you knowledge. They can say things and you go, that's pretty good. <laughs> but see, in our world, most of us buy into the television knowledge and the billboard knowledge. We are so inundated by a world that tells us this is what you need to go after. This is what you need to chase. This is what you need to accomplish. And tonight, I, I, I want to do something tonight. I want to show you something tonight. I asked Pastor Mike if he had shown this, and he has not. So I want you to see this. Two weeks ago, we watched Tom Brady. Um, come back in an amazing victory. I turned, after the first half, I turned it off as doing something else, and I checked ESPN.com, like, whoa, they're coming back. So I flipped back over, and I watched that crazy comeback. And I was pulling for the Falcons, so I was bummed. Yeah, you too, thank you. One Falcon fan here, bless you. And then Brady wins again, and then he's like, all that in a bag of chips. And this guy, hey, hey, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, if Tom Brady, I know Brady's a little more famous than y'all. He's got more money than I'm guessing most of you. He can get whatever lady he wants. Got a supermodel. If Tom Brady was in the house tonight, he's more famous. I can tell you, if Tom Brady was here tonight, we would have, Pastor Mike would have said, hey, y'all, no big deal here, but Brady's in the house. I mean, we would have said he's here. <laughs> and I want you to see but a man who has everything some of you are chasing, okay? Some of you are chasing what Tom Brady has. And I think it's really interesting because this is shot a couple of years ago. He was on 60 Minutes. The video is not the best, but you're going to get the point. I want you to watch. Let's roll this video, guys, of Tom Brady talking about what's important in life. Let's do it.
Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, is not only one of the NFL's best players, he's one of the NFL's great stories. At the tender age of 30, he has already won three Super Bowls, an accomplishment that ranks him with some of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game. And he's having one of the greatest seasons in pro football history. When we first reported on him back in 2005, he seemed underrated and almost overlooked. He doesn't have the arm of Peyton Manning, and he doesn't have tattoos, and he doesn't take steroids, and he's never held out for more money. All he knows how to do is win. <laughs> it's what you always wanted. You're right. You're right. It has. And I didn't think it came with all the other baggage, though. In addition to his success on the field and his sex appeal off it, there is also the $60 million 10-year contract to play with the Patriots. I mean, I'm making more money now than I ever thought I could ever make playing football. <laughs> but with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean... Maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. There's a guy who's got all the accomplishments of the world, and he's saying to you, I've got it all, and I feel empty. Because the stuff of this world does not satisfy. And we need as men to get that. Don't chase it to the end and find out there ain't nothing there. Go ahead and find out why you ain't got nothing. <laughs> Go, Lord, I am happy as I can be right here. In fact, Paul said, be content where you are. What that means is when Jesus is your satisfier, you don't need the world. And we as men, we as men have to set that example to our children. Of course, accomplish things. Of course, go after stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But keep it in perspective. Let your children know God first, them next, and then the stuff. Because when you do this the right way, when you do it with understanding and you do it with wisdom and you do it with knowledge. The Bible says the result is a finished picture and it's called in this context a rare and beautiful treasure. Show that last picture. The Bible says there's a rare and beautiful treasure. In other words, listen to me. You leave that up there if you will, if you don't mind. The Bible says that what, listen, what you men have right now in your possession, this basket God's given you, God calls it a treasure. Y'all get to go home tonight to your treasure. And you're like, I don't feel like no treasure some days. I know. You heard me say I have a wayward daughter. I have an egg. I have an egg that's rolling all around. I come here, baby. Come back. Come back. Get back in the basket. I don't want to be in the basket. But you need to be in the basket. Your brain is falling out of your head. I am trying to get her back in the basket. Why? Because I love her. She turned 22 this week. I sent her a text on her birthday. We had talked and stuff, but I sent a text, and I said to her, a 22-year-old daughter who has put me through it. Boys, when I say through it, I told Pastor Mike a little bit about it at lunchtime. I'm talking through it. And I said to her in the text, hey, baby, I'm so glad God put you in my basket. 
I don't know what I'd do without having you as an egg in my life. And her comeback on text was A W W W W all. And I'm thinking, oh. But I want her to know she's not a mistake. You're not a mistake. You're not trash. You have purpose. And I want to show you guys why all this matters, okay? I want to show you why I'm, what I'm talking about to matter. We, we have a counseling center at my ministry. The Lord has allowed me to run there in Michigan. Um, we have many counselors that work there. One of them is a child therapist, so she works with just children, okay? Little kids come in. We had this family come in. I have written permission to tell this to you. If you know it, in the medical field or counseling field, you know there's what in our government's called HIPAA laws, meaning I can't know names, I can't know who, so I don't know the little girl's name, I don't know the family's name, but I have written permission from the mother to tell you this story. So this family came into our counseling center. Mom, dad, little girl. Five or six. She was five or six. Mom, dad, her. Three people in the family. Not a huge basket, but a basket. And they came in for what they, at the time, were calling just preventative counseling. They want to make sure their family's doing good. So uh, the adult, mom and dad, were taken into the adult office. And then the little girl, five or six, was taken into a little child room that we've built there for children. And Emily is our lead counselor. And Emily said to her, um, called her by name and said, I need you to do me a favor. She, she, this is what Emily does. She, she gave her eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and said, draw for me on this picture what it feels like to be a part of your family. Okay? In your basket, draw me a picture of what that feels like. And the little girl drew the picture that's coming up on the screen. Here it is. Now, if you've got little kids, you've seen pictures like this. This is nothing new. Some of you got pictures like this hanging on your refrigerator. And when Emily, the counselor, came in to tell me this, I was like, oh, that's cool. She goes, oh, Dad, there's so much more to this picture than you know. I'm like, what do you mean? She said, well, that's what I do for a living. I'm trained to study children and what they think. And she said, when I ask her to draw a picture of what her life feels like and her family feels like, she's telling me through her picture. She's not saying it. She's telling me. I said, what do you mean? She said, well... She said, when a child draws, like, let's take that sun. She said, you see how she did the little uh, rays of the sun? She tried to do them just little rectangles perfectly. Look at the size of the smile. She's telling you she is happy. And she said, do you see that line up there? And then the clouds. She said, look, they're in a row. She said, when a child, you ask them a question like this, if they draw things in a row, it means they feel like their life is in order. Y'all going to be going home saying to your kids, draw me a picture right now. Draw me. You messed up. We are messed up. <laughs> Ask your wife to do that, baby. Draw me a picture. So then she said, and look, now she put herself at a mountain, and she said, look out. She's not on a mountain. She's on the peak of the mountain. She feels like she is the top of the heap. And then she said, look at her. She got this big old yellow hair, big old blue eyes, a beautiful pink dress, just a touch short, but a beautiful pink dress on there. That's the dress we want our wives to wear tonight, but that ain't what the little kids should wear. But anyway, there she is. And then she said, I was watching her, and she started drawing a heart. And she said, then she wrote God in the heart. So I just watched her, and I said, she's, Emily said, I said to the little girl, do you feel like God loves you? She said, oh, I know he does. My mom and daddy love me like crazy. I know God loves me. I, I want you to understand something today. When your children are five and under, their image of who God and what he's like is you. Literally, when they think God, they think you. Now, they get old and realize you ain't God, but it doesn't take them long. 
But when they're little, <laughs> you ain't even close. But when you're little, you are the image of Jesus, God to them. So I, 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 I still to this day don't know what I'm about to tell you. I don't know why it happened. But two weeks later, after that picture was drawn, okay, two weeks later to the day, the little girl came back with just her mom to our offices at Winning at Home. A mom by herself walked into our offices and Emily said to me, Dan, it was so hard because something, we, we don't even know what transpired, but we know the dad told him he didn't want him anymore. He was not going to do life with that basket anymore. He was done. And so the same little girl came back with her mom. Emily, Emily took the same, same little girl back to the same room that she had been in two weeks ago and said, draw me a picture of what your world feels like. Same girl, two weeks later, drew the picture coming up on the screen right now. It's called Dark Valley and Scribble Valley. Emily said, through tears, as she told me about this, the little girl started drawing something in the middle, and then she just got frustrated, and she just grabbed the markers and started shoving them. Over on the right side, you could see where she was just slamming the marker into the paper. And then she said, and down, down on the left side, she goes, you know, you can see there, there's four people in the picture now, and there's something hanging over their heads. You can kind of maybe put it together. And she said, Dan, what was the hardest for me was I said to the little girl, last time you were here, you drew a heart with God in it. And she said, the little girl said, he doesn't love me anymore. And I want to tell y'all, that's the world we're in. And there's about, I don't know, 500 men here tonight. We, we got we to change this tide. We got to turn this baby around. Uh, some of you have painted picture number two. I have. I've had some of those days. If you'd gone to my kids, they'd have drawn that picture. My wife's dad walked out when she was six. First time I showed her that picture, she cried and said, oh, my goodness, I could have drawn that. My dad shoved it away. So the world and its smartness tells us if Dan Seaborn married Jane Olerud, that's her last name, Dan Seaborn's me, Jane Olerud's my wife, the world says those two get married, it's going to be bad. But what the world leaves out is Dan Seaborn plus Jane Olerud plus Jesus, plus Jesus, means we can go, help me here, and paint the other picture together. Let's flip. Oh, not perfectly. But guys, I want to tell you something. Me and my girl, Jane, we're trying to paint that. We were handed picture two, and we're trying to turn it to picture one. And some of you in this room tonight, I don't even have to go any further. You know exactly what you need to do right now to start repainting that picture. I don't, I don't even need to say another word. And let me just say, I came from Michigan this morning to tell you it's time. It's time. And tonight, here's how we're going to close this out. I told Pastor Mike, you're his flock. I'm just here serving underneath his wing. And he's got big wings. So I'm privileged to get to fly underneath him a little. And my goal is that tonight somebody would find some healing in the healing place. That somebody's heart would be smushed up a little bit. 
because you realize you've painted picture two and you need to flip that picture. We flipped it on the screen. It's time for you to go and flip it in your house. And that starts with, you ready, a humble heart. God can work with, you ready, soft hearts. So can you, can you bow your head? Pastor Mike's going to walk up on stage, jump up on stage, however he gets here. Pastor Mike, will you join me? I think it would be fitting tonight for us men to just examine our hearts for a moment. I'm going to let Pastor Mike close out as he would see fit as the Lord's laying it on his heart. But I'm asking you to have a soft heart for a moment. Where are you at with Jesus? What does your basket look like? What kind of picture are you painting? My prayer is that you would paint picture number one. 